Please stay tuned for important disclosure information at the conclusion of this episode. Welcome to the Investing Insights Podcast from Morningstar. In this week's podcast, Nicholas Goralka and Susan Jabinski discuss international stock funds. Christine Ben shares her tips for IRA contributions. Russ Kinnell discusses three funds for an IRA. And Dave Sequeira shares his insights into dividend stocks. Let's get started. Here are Nick Goralka from Morningstar Research Services and Susan Jabinski from Morningstar, Inc. Hi, I'm Susan Jabinski with Morningstar. Morningstar's manager research team maintains a list of up-and-coming and under-the-radar strategies that they call Morningstar Prospects. Joining me today to discuss two prospects that focus on international stocks is Nick Garalka. Nick is an analyst in Morningstar's manager research team. He's also the editor of our semi-annual prospects list report. Thanks for being here today, Nick. Thank you for having me, Susan. So let's start out with a little bit of background on how the team selects strategies to include on this prospects list. Sure. So as you mentioned, the Morningstar prospects list is a list of up and coming or maybe under the radar strategies, which means uh, in itself that it can be difficult to find promising candidates for the list. Um, However, Morningstar analysts do have, uh, you know, some attributes of a strategy that they prefer to see, which helps kind of filter down the the large investable universe. So maybe it'll be something along the lines of long manager tenure, uh, low fees, perhaps, or, you know, a very differentiated process that they found reviewing other strategies, potentially. So those are some of the things that analysts might look for when considering what to add to the prospects list. Now, the, the strategies that are on the prospects list aren't under full coverage by our analysts, which means they don't get fund analyst ratings. But, you know, some prospects do graduate to get those analyst ratings at some point. How do most funds that start out as prospects on the list graduate and get rated by our analysts eventually? Not necessarily, uh, because the point of the prospects list in part is that Morningstar manager research analysts may still have some unanswered questions about the strategy. um, And Morningstar analysts have high standards for those questions. So if the strategy in question isn't able to meet them and, you know, the active, I don't think I have to tell people that the actively managed equity universe is a tough competition these days. So if the strategy in question isn't able to meet those uh, issues or resolve those issues to the analyst standard, then it would be, uh, in fact, dropped from the list instead of graduated to full coverage. And and so that, that brings up, you know, how long, Nick, does a prospect typically remain a prospect? How long is it on that list? Well, it depends. It's case by case. Some strategies graduate only one issue later, so uh, six months later, because the report is semi-annual, as you noted uh, earlier, while some remain on the list for a few years. But generally speaking, um, the questions that manager research analysts have about the strategy won't linger for for more than a few issues. So it's rare to see uh, a strategy on the list for more than two or three years. By then, the analyst will probably either be uh, satisfied with the questions they have or unsatisfied with the questions that they had, and the strategy will either be graduated or dropped accordingly. Now, Nick, the team recently added two funds to the prospect list that focus on international stocks. So let's do a little bit of a dive into into these two funds in particular. Um, The first is Bazina Emerging Markets Value. So why is this among our prospects list? So like many strategies on the prospects list, they do things uh, a little differently, and it's it's interesting to keep track of. They're a deep value emerging market strategy, uh, which not many are are brave enough to do these days, given how poorly value-leaning emerging market strategies have done in recent years, and given the fact that investors usually don't want to partition their emerging markets portfolio by 
growth blend value. Usually they're looking to just allocate a chunk of their portfolio to emerging markets in general and call it a day. Uh, so value emerging markets has not really been in favor at all lately. Um, they only purchase or they only look to buy stocks in the cheapest 20% of a proprietary valuation metric. So that gives you an idea of how cheap they're wanting to keep this portfolio. And as a result, as you might expect, the price metrics are much lower than the you know, peers or the, the, the relevant benchmarks. So a key manager on this strategy actually stepped away uh, in early 2022, just earlier this year. So we're uh, curious to see how the strategy carry on, carries on without him. Um, but overall, it's a, it's a promising, promising strategy. So the team also recently added Aristotle International Equity to the prospects list. Why did we add that one? Sure. So that's an interesting strategy. It's a, it's a concentrated international equity strategy. There's only 30 to 40 holdings in the portfolio, which means that it will probably carry higher risk than some alternatives. Concentrated strategies typically stray in performance from uh, the relevant benchmark more than more diversified strategies You know, in both directions. So the underperformance and overperformance will both be uh, potentially more dramatic. Um, but the two managers have led the strategy effectively since its inception in 2014. They've done well to guide it over that time. And they have a, they, they've shown that they are willing to be patient in executing what they consider to be a long-term oriented approach and what probably is a more uh, longer-term orientation than a lot of peers in their category. Well, Nick, these sound like a couple of very interesting funds to sort of keep an eye on and follow. And time will tell if they end up being, becoming graduates from that prospects list. Definitely. Definitely, Susan. Well, thanks for your time today. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm Susan Javinsky with Morningstar. Thanks for tuning in. Expand your investing horizons and look to the long term with Morningstar's podcast, The Long View. Join hosts Christine Benz and Jeff Patak as they talk to influential leaders in investing, advice, and personal finance. Search for and subscribe to The Long View today. Now, Christine Benz from Morningstar Inc. shares her tips for your IRA. I'm Susan Jabinski with Morningstar. Well, it's tax season, and the tax filing deadline, April 18th, is also the deadline for making IRA contributions if you want them to count towards tax, tax year 2021. Joining me today with some tax tips and IRA strategies is Christine Benz, Christine's Morningstar's Director of Personal Finance and Retirement Planning. Nice to see you, Christine. Good to see you too, Susan. So let's start by talking a little bit about this April 18th pressing deadline for IRA contributions, if you want them to count for 2021. What are some things that investors, IRA investors specifically, should be thinking about right now? Well, one of the key things is don't wait until the last minute to fund these IRAs. When we talk to investment providers, they have observed that that's a pattern where investors do rush their contributions in at the very last minute. Ideally, if you can fund your IRAs as early as, as you possibly can and get that money invested, that gives the money more time to compound. So that's something to keep in mind. And it's especially important for younger investors because over time, the combination of either not making the contribution or not actually getting the money invested in something can drag on the portfolio's long-term return. So the idea is hit it as soon as you possibly can. And so for 2022, for example, we're able to make those contributions for the 2022 tax year starting January 1st. So hit it as soon as you possibly can. And I mean, do you think analysis paralysis is part of the problem there? You know, that 
how should people really think about what they specifically should be investing those IRA assets in? I think analysis paralysis is absolutely the reason why once people fund an IRA, they tend not to get it invested anything in anything. They just don't know where to start. So I would say that there are a couple of easy avenues for people figuring out what to put in their IRA. One would be to use a really good low cost all-in-one fund. So you could use a target date fund in this context. You could use a static allocation fund in this context, like one of the Vanguard like strategy funds, for example. So you could go that route where you're just kind of making ongoing contributions and you're not worrying too much about the complexion of that portfolio because it's internally diversified. Another avenue that you could head down is to take a look at your portfolio's current exposures. You could use our x-ray functionality on Morningstar to get a sense of where you need to kind of top up your portfolio's exposure. So just an example from my own life, um, my husband and I looked at our portfolio several years ago and we're making our IRA contributions. We identified that we were light on foreign stocks and we were light on value. So we found a good foreign value fund that helped give us exposure to both areas in one fell swoop. And then we've been continuing to add to our exposure there. So those I would say would be the key ways I would go about figuring out where to invest my IRA funds. So Christine, speaking of IRAs, I wanted to get a little update from you on the backdoor strategy. Um, Is this still a viable option for investors? There had been talk in Congress about closing this loophole, but it hasn't been closed yet. Is that right? That's right. Um, So just to to back up and give people a little bit of background on this backdoor Roth IRA maneuver, basically it's a mechanism that allows people who earn too much to make a direct Roth IRA contribution to get money into a Roth IRA. And the basic tool that you use is that you fund a traditional IRA and then you convert that to a Roth later on. There aren't any income limits on those conversions. And so it's a strategy that higher income folks have been taking advantage of for the past uh, several years, really since 2010. But there had been some concern that Build Back Better was going to uh, make it impossible to do these uh, conversions of after-tax dollars. Build Back Better hasn't yet passed. So for now, it's a perfectly allowable maneuver. Higher income folks should definitely look at it. I would say get some tax advice, though, because one thing that can come into play is what's called the pro rata rule. And I won't go too in the weeds on that, but this is something that can come into play for someone who has a lot of rollover IRA assets, for example. It might cause the backdoor IRA to be taxable when you do that conversion. So get some tax advice before proceeding. But for now, yes, perfectly legal and allowable. So is there a risk that if Congress does, in fact, close the loophole and Congress makes it retroactive, that contributors would have to sort of roll back those conversions or pay back those conversions? Well, that has been um, sort of a worry, I think, for some people who had been funding IRAs through the back door, that this would somehow be retroactive if Congress does in feet in de- in 
indeed pass this act. I think from the tax uh, specialists who I've been talking to recently that as we get further into the year, that starts to look like a more and more distant possibility, that it looks less likely, I should say. So for now, I think that it's probably something to sort of keep in your mind as potentially a risk factor, but it's likely to be extremely unpopular among taxpayers as well as financial institutions. And our colleague Aaron Shapiro, who does policy research for us at Morningstar, has indicated that it might actually entail some costs on the part of the government, which is not the goal of closing this loophole. So it seems like a, a very unlikely prospect. So also, we've seen some market volatility so far this year. And are there any tax uh, saving strategies that we should be thinking about in a volatile market like we're experiencing? Well, one of the key ones I would point people to, especially if they've made new purchases, would be to take a look at tax loss selling, that that's potentially a way to find a silver lining in a rough market environment. So if you have holdings that are now trading well below what you paid for them, you can sell them, realize the tax loss and use that tax loss to offset capital gains elsewhere in your portfolio. If you've uh, exhausted all of your capital gains, you can use the tax loss to offset up to $3,000 in ordinary incomes. So tax loss selling is certainly an idea. It probably will be most effective for people who have brand new positions in their portfolio or relatively new positions. Another strategy that can come into play might be Roth conversions. So the taxes that you will owe when you convert assets from traditional to Roth will depend on, on the account value. And when accounts have come down a little bit, those conversions will tend to be more attractive. But here's a spot where people should definitely get some tax advice before converting. It can often make sense to make a series of conversions over a series of years. So a, a tax advisor or a financial advisor can help you figure out how much you might be able to convert without pushing yourself into a higher income tax bracket. Well, Christine, thank you for your time today walking us through some of these tax strategies. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Susan. I'm Susan Javinsky with Morningstar. Thanks for tuning in. Next, Russ Kennel from Morningstar Research Services shares his insights into the best funds for an IRA. Hi, I'm Susan Javinsky with Morningstar. IRA season is upon us. We have until April 18th to contribute to an IRA if we want that contribution to count towards 2021. Joining me today to share a few funds to consider for an IRA is Russ Kinnell. Russ is Morningstar's Director of Manager Research and Editor of Morningstar Fund Investor. Hi, Russ. Thank you for being here today. Glad to be here. So let's start out by talking a little bit in general terms about funds and IRAs. Are there particular types of funds that tend to be better fits for that tax deferral wrapper of an IRA? Yeah, there are a couple of things. Most of the rules of fund selection apply, but I think uh, you want something for the long term because generally you buy an IRA. It's not something you intend to turn around and use to buy your car in two years or something. This is a long-term investment. So the long-term uh, funds make a lot of sense. Also, as you're deciding asset location, in other words, you decide what you want to own, then you want to decide what account it goes in. Naturally, you should put the more tax inefficient ones in an IRA because those aren't taxed along the way if you have it in an IRA or a 401k for that matter. 
Now, you brought a three picks to talk about with us today, and your first pick is FPA Crescent, and that's an allocation fund. What makes this fund a particularly good fit for an IRA, and what do you like about it? Yeah, well, it's not so much a tax efficiency issue as just, I think Steve Romick is a good long-term investor, and because uh, he's somewhat defensive in nature, it's one that you could hold after you retire as well, uh, because I think it's it does a good job. His, his idea is really uh, to get uh, close to market-like returns, but uh, significantly less downside. He's very focused on protection. He does that by uh, limiting price risk, so value stocks. Um, typically, we'll own some cash, sometimes some shorts. So it's not a traditional 60-40 allocation fund. It's much more of a go-anywhere uh, fund, but uh, very much a, a defensive fund and one that's very proven over the long haul. Now, your next pick is actually a bank loan fund. And let's talk a little bit about bank loan funds in general first. Of course, they generate income. So it seems like from a tax perspective, they're great choices for an IRA. But is there a reason that you're you're picking a bank loan fund now? You know, Are they bringing something in particular to investors given market conditions today? Yeah, bank loans have one unique feature, and that is that uh, the rates adjust with interest rates moving. So you don't have interest rate risk. A typical uh, bond or bond fund is going to have interest rate risk if interest rates spike up, depending on the duration of the bond or the bond fund, uh, you're going to lose some money. Uh, a bank loan fund is adjusting those rates and therefore uh, is a great place to a great thing to own uh, in an environment of rising rates. And, and certainly that's the forecast everyone is expecting rates to rise for the next couple of years. So this is nice kind of defensive, especially if you've got a fair amount in fixed income, it's a nice uh, other option. I would note too that uh, bank loan funds have a fair amount of credit risk. So it's not to suggest that it's risk-free, it's just that it's very little interest rate risk. So the fund in particular that, that you like here is Fidelity Floating Rate High Income. What's to like about it? Oh well, yeah, uh, Eric Mullenhauer leads a, a good, strong team at Fidelity that uh, has really consistently beaten their peer group by a modest amount. But I think I like that consistent performance. I like the depth of resources. Uh, I like the fees. Uh, we rate the fund silver. Uh, so, so I think it's a, a really good uh, example of uh, one of the better bank loan funds out there. And your last pick today, Russ, is an international stock fund. Uh, what do you think of international stocks today? Is there an opportunity there? Yeah, I think international has not run up as much as the U.S., so valuations are a little cheaper, especially on the value side, they're a little cheaper. Uh, this is a value fund. So I think there's uh, definitely some some appeal there. To, to It's a good time to diversify outside the U.S. So the actual pick is Oakmark International. Why do you like it? Yeah, um, I think it's, it's a good fund uh, run by uh, David Harrow and Michael Minnelli. Um, it's a concentrated value fund. And because of that, it has some serious dry spells. It has great long-term returns, but it has serious dry spells. So I think you really need to focus on the, a long-term investment horizon here, ideally 10 or 20 years, because that way you can ride out that two or three year stretch in which you uh, the fund really does nothing, or maybe it's even in the red, uh, but over the long term, it should do very well. Um, now, Harrow isn't probably not that far from retirement. He hasn't said when he's going to retire, uh, but I still think the process and the people uh, who are around him on the fund uh, should continue to, 
to make the fund a winner even after he retires. Well, Russ, thank you for your time today and for these picks for an IRA. We appreciate it. You're welcome. I'm Susan Jabinski with Morningstar. Thanks for tuning in. And lastly, here is David Harrell from Morningstar Investment Management with Dave Sequeira from Morningstar Research Services. We're certainly experiencing higher inflation these days, and we keep seeing the headlines that the Fed is going to raise short-term interest rates. Um, how might an increase in short-term rates like that affect the prospect of dividend stocks? Well, I guess maybe the first part of the answer there is yes, we are certainly seeing inflation run you know, pretty hot these past couple of months. And in fact, you know, according to our economics team, you know, we're expecting inflation to continue to run hot for a few more months before it starts to moderate. But when you look at you know, the average inflation rate for the full year this year, we're looking at about 3.6%. Having said that, you know, it will continue to moderate in the second half well into 2023. So then we're looking for inflation to drop all the way down to 1.4 before going back to more of like a normalized kind of 2.2, 2.3 long-term inflationary run rate. So yes, the Fed is definitely going to be raising rates this year. Market is certainly pricing in, you know, three rate hikes. I think you also need to make sure you put that into context that we are coming from you know, a zero interest rate policy. So even with those three rate hikes this year, we're still only getting to you know, three quarter to a 1% Fed funds rate, mm -hmm. which you know, when you look at a historical long-term chart, the only time we'd ever been there before was during the global financial crisis and never even had a federal funds rate that low in the past. So from my perspective, I don't expect increases in you know, short-term rates really to impact you know, those dividend paying stocks. That does it for this week's Investing Insights podcast from Morningstar. We hope you have enjoyed our program and we welcome your feedback. Please send your comments and questions to podcast at Morningstar.com. From everyone here at Morningstar, thanks for listening. This recording is for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. The views and opinions of guests on this program are not necessarily those of Morningstar Inc. and its affiliates. Morningstar and its affiliates are not affiliated with this guest or his or her business affiliates unless otherwise stated. Morningstar does not guarantee the accuracy or the completeness of the data presented herein. The podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered tax advice. Please consult a tax and or financial professional for advice specific to your individual circumstances. Morningstar Research Services, LLC, is a subsidiary of Morningstar, Inc. and is registered with and governed by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. Morningstar Research Services shall not be responsible for any trading decisions, damages, or other losses resulting from or related to the information, data analysis, or opinions, or their use. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investments are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal. Individuals should seriously consider if an investment is suitable for them by referencing their own financial position, investment objectives, and risk profile before making any investment decision.